0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Fresno, Cub Swanson versus Brian Ortega. And Shaq, it's going down this weekend. we got the undefeated Brian Ortega taking on the vet, Cub Swanson.
1: Cub Swanson, one of the best to ever do it at 145. He's got some good wins over Jeremy Stevens, over Hacron Diaz, over Duho Choi. Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier. I mean, the guy, he, he's, uh, he's made a career doing this. And Brian Ortega can take... You know, take his spotlight, man. If Ortega wins his fight, I mean, he might get a title shot. I mean, the guy's undefeated. I was very impressed with his win against Anato Moicano. I did not see that coming, and uh, I'm interested to see if he's going to pull this one off again.
0: And before we talk about this main event between Brian T-City Ortega and Cub Swanson, we got to give out our third back-to-back-to-back max bet winner right here right now on half the battle you know we gave out that yan zonan max bet that al hassan max bet and now it's time to give our third one in three consecutive weeks because we got davi ramos he's minus 360 the comeback on chris gritzmacher's plus 300 now i know we took a side i know the line isn't uh where it once was but
1: there's a reason we're taking a certain side here isn't that right yeah man you know i had a I had a feeling uh the odds makers would uh totally forget about this fight on the opener, you know. I, I felt like they'd pay attention to the other fights, and they did, you know. I had a feeling they'd open up Davi Ramos real close, and I've had my eye on this spot for about a month now. Davi Ramos, ADCC champion, two-time Pan Am Jiu-Jitsu champion. I mean, the guy's jiu credentials are ridiculous. I mean, this guy beat Gilbert Burns in a Jiu-Jitsu match. Via submission. He actually subbed him, not on points. He actually submitted him. And on the feet, I mean, Davi's hand-fighting game's on point, his parrying game's on point, and he swings big, heavy bombs inside the pocket, and I feel like Gertzmacher's game plays right into it. Gertzmacher's going to get right in his face like he always does. He's got that typical MMA lap style. They like to rely on their ability to eat shots and, you know, hopefully their opponent gasses, but that's not the case with Davi because I've seen Davi go three rounds against Nick Piedmont, who, in my opinion, is a better striker than Gertzmacher, um... And you know, Gritzmacher on the tough show, you know, he, he's he got some when he gets you, he gets you, you know what I'm saying? He's got that grueling style. But I mean, let's not forget the guy got knocked out by Artem Lobov. His fight on the tough finale against Abner Lavares was a, a back and forth fight, a very just let's put it this way, both men wobbled, you know what I'm saying? And uh Gritzmacher wobbled hard to a left hook and uh the way I see this fight playing out, I see Davi having that. Having, having him beaten every aspect of the game on the feet, I think he's way too big for Gritzmacher. I think he's going to rough him up. I think when Gritzmacher gets in his face with his chin up in the air, I think Davi's going to hand fight and land a big left hook, right hook combo and wobble him and then take his back and submit him. Like I said, the jujitsu credentials are there multiple-time BJJ champion. Gritzmacher, I mean, you can't rely on your ability to eat shots for so long, man. I feel like Davi has several backup plans just in case, you know, we saw a different Gritzmacher, which I doubt, but I feel like we can tie him up against the fence. We're way stronger. We can take him down whenever we want, and I feel like Davi Ramos is going to get his first UFC win, and I think it's going to be
0: a finish. Yeah, so
1: I also took the opening
0: line, the minus 180. I put five units on it. Sorry to everyone uh, for ruining that line, but it is what it is. And, you know, Davi Ramos is one of these guys that, uh, you know, he was five foot six fighting at Welterweight, but you see him in there, you see his presence. He doesn't seem like any five foot six guy, you know I what mean, I'm he, saying? he
1: actually looked like a Welterweight. And, I mean, if you're seeing pictures of him now, the guy looks fucking shredded, man. And uh, you know, I put seven units on him, man. I was that confident. I honestly should have put more, but you know, I am gonna uh, play it light. There is an opportunity coming up in a couple of weeks. I'll play it live I put seven <laughs> units on. <it. laughs> you know what I am saying? Because you know, I put ten units on and put ten units on uh, Randy Brown, and I honestly feel more confident in this one than I than I did those. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Like Max Holloway says, and uh, I think Davi Ramos is going to absolutely butcher him.
0: Yeah, so like I said, I put five units on the minus 180, and it's interesting. One guy's coming up from 45, one guy's coming down from 170. Davi Ramos, like we mentioned, he tapped out Gilbert Burns in pure jiu-jitsu. When you talk about Chris Gritzmacher, you're talking about a, a walking punching bag. And uh, Yeah, I know he's at ATT for this fight, but to me, you know, for a lot of people, that might give them confidence. Hey, I'm going to take this underdog Chris Gritzmacher. He's training at ATT. The way I look at it is... Oh, so you're telling me he's Dustin Poirier's punching bag now? You're telling me he's Jorge Masvidal's punching bag now? It's like, okay, man. Because before, I think the the rounds he was getting at the lab were probably better for his health. You know, he's getting in there with Scott Holtzman. He's getting in there with the ghost of Benson Henderson. But now you're in there with, with uh, Dustin Poirier every day? That, that ain't <laughs> – it's not going to look too good when Wang, he comes in here, man. Wang
1: Guan, Mark DeCasey, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Enrique Barzola, I see him training with Enrique and Mark DeCasey. They're just softening up that chin for me, man. And uh, Davi Ramos is going to take
0: full advantage. What I like about Davi is that... um you know, for the short guys, he's got that hand fighting game down, like you mentioned, man, the parrying game is on point, and not only that, what's most important to me, because I was under the impression that he gasses out after the first round, I was completely wrong, he had the cardio to go all three hard against Sergino in his UFC debut, up away class, so the cardio isn't going to be an issue here, and when Gritzmacher comes forward, it's going to be, the openings are going to be right there, he's going to give us the openings to bomb on him, if we want to take him down, we're going to take him down, but most likely, we're going to knock him out standing, because we have multiple punch combinations, the explosiveness that we're dealing with, with the athleticism it's on a completely different level than chris gritzmacher he's just going to walk into a big shot and he's either going to get beat up for three straight rounds or he's going to you know get knocked out like he did against artem lobov and uh once again i got davi ramos five units minus 180 now i understand someone being a little hesitant at minus 360 because that's a uh, close to two dollars you know of less value you know what i'm saying it's about a dollar and 80 cents less than what we got it at so i completely understand someone passing but the pick the bet is a hundred percent davi ramos here now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Yuri Alcantara. He's minus 210. The comeback on Alejandro Turbo Perez is plus 175. Now, uh, you think uh, our boy Alejandro is about the weasel, or is our other boy, Yuri, going to put him out in the first?
1: You know, Alejandro, like I said before, is fight with Andre Touch, The guy is one of the best weaselers in the game, and you need solid weasels on your team in this betting game. you need guys that you know can get dropped twice in one round and still win the round and I mean his weasel game in that Andre Sukumtach fight was absolutely amazing because if we're being honest Andre probably won every round of that fight but it is what it is Alejandro the difference is you know when Sukumtach dropped him he cleanly dropped him and Sukumtach you know played around and let him back up but the thing is when Alejandro got up alleged knockdown it really wasn't a knockdown but he made it look like a knockdown he hopped in his guard and you know killed a minute or two of clock time so that rounds his nose and that's the type of weasel you need on your team so um you know, before his fight with Sukumtach, I said that his days of weaseling were over, and I was clearly wrong, and he weaseled again, I mean, we're talking about a guy that clearly lost two rounds to Albert Morales, and still got a draw. he got a point deducted, so the judges thought he won two rounds, you know what I'm saying, It's, uh, it's it's ridiculous, but I mean, he keeps finding a way to do it, and you know, Yuri Alcantara, I mean, on paper, has him beat In every aspect, in my opinion. But the thing is, Yuri Alcantara is slowing. He took a a severe beating his last fight against Luke Sanders. I mean, he got... Oh, that's why it was Keller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kelleher. Keller But the fight before that, and yeah, he got choked out by Kelleher, Um, you know. But Yuri's more explosive. I mean, we've seen Yuri knock out Ricardo Lamas at 155. We've seen him destroy Brad Pickett, beat Leandro Issa. I mean, the guy is one of the best to do it as well. And uh, he's training at Jackson's for this fight. Alejandro's training at AKA with other guys on the card. And uh, I'm going to take Alejandro on this one, man. He keeps finding a way to weasel. He keeps finding a way to lose rounds but win them on the cards. And, uh, you know, Yuri's the type of guy that that type of shit works against. I mean, Yuri finds himself on his back. I mean, let's not forget about the Frankie signs fight when he was like minus 700. And, you know, Frankie straight took it to him for three rounds. And uh, I think Alejandro will probably get dropped at some point, rocked hard, Find a way to get on top and uh, steal the rounds, maybe. And you know, not to mention, a lot of Alejandro's uh, opponents get points deducted. The Tech Quinones fight, and uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Fury, you know, landed a le- an illegal knee while you know Alejandro is trying to play that three-point h- hand thing on the mat or something like that. And Alejandro know? milks it. And Alejandro <laughs> milks it and falls to his back, like you know, wow, 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 wow. You know what I'm saying? Uh, typical weasel style and. Uh, I'm going to go Alejandro by split decision.
0: Yeah, man. You know, if I wasn't betting on Davi Ramos, I'd definitely take, you know, a one or two unit shot on Alejandro Perez here because what I think is going to happen. Well, firstly, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know I'm a hardcore Yuri Alcantara fan. I mean, this dude knocked out Ricardo Lamas in the WEC. He's a total badass. I love his style. But, man, he's getting up there in age. He's about thirty-eight years old now, and that fight against Luke Sanders definitely took some mileage, uh definitely took some durability off of him. I'll tell you I'll tell you that right now, man. And uh you saw that last one with Brian Kelleher. Let's not even talk about that, you know, shitty ass takedown he shot where he got choked out. Let's talk about the stand up exchanges, man. He's looking a lot slower than he used to be, because, I mean, this dude was fucking dynamic in his prime, man. Double flying knees, spinning elbows, drops you with everything. He's got the reach of a light heavyweight, man. You know what I'm saying? And uh I remember when he made that UFC debut against Felipe Aranches and I was like, damn, this dude's got like the same reach as Shogun, you know? So I'm a hardcore Yuri Alcantara fan. I love that dude. I hope he retires in the UFC. With Alejandro, man, from a betting perspective, he keeps on weaseling these decisions. I'm like, oh my God, man. Like uh, that Andre Sukum touch fight, he got dropped three times and he still won the fight, you know? And that Albert Morales fight clearly lost, but, but got a draw. I'm like, man. Even the Teko Kinonas fight, I thought he lost that fight too and uh, somehow found a way to win. So I respect that quality a lot in the fighter. And, you know, we're not going to talk about the, the Patrick Williams debacle where he got stopped in 20 seconds, right? Because that could totally happen here. So it's about either Yuri's going to finish this in the first round... Or, Yuri's going to come out hard in the first round. Alejandro's going to weather that storm and then come back and win the next two rounds. So I'm going to go with Alejandro Perez by majority decision. And like I said, if I didn't bet on Davi Ramos, I would be taking a small shot on Perez as, as an underdog. Now, next up, also in the bantamweight division, we got Mirab Develishvili. He's minus 155. The comeback on Frankie Signs is plus 135 now. We got the newcomer coming out of Saralongo. Longo. He trains with Aljo every single day. Do you think it's going to be enough to take out the vet that beat Yuri Alcantara, Frankie Signs,
1: And, you know, uh, Frankie Signs, man, it's unfortunate how the fight game treats these guys, especially these weights that are 36 and 37 years old because at one point Frankie Signs was you know, in there, I thought he arguably beat Faber, to be honest, those leg kicks he was landing against Faber, Faber's leg was buckling real hard, and, you know, honestly, I feel like that was his swan song, I feel like that was his final hoorah, and we saw his, his the next fight after that against Eddie Wineland, he was doing good, and then, boom, one shot, he was knocked out, and then we saw, then I watched his fight with Augusta Mendes the other day, and I was like, wow, this definitely ain't the same guy anymore, I mean, he's getting rocked by, you know, five five jujitsu guys, and you know, he fought tough, but it's definitely not the same guy. It's not the same guy that beat Uri Alcantara. It's not the same guy that beat Sirwan Kakai. It's not the same guy that went in there and gave favor the fight of his life. Um, I know I, the opener was minus 150. I put three units on Mirab divisrelli Mirab Divisrelli you know, he's... That's, it's more of a Frankie Sang's fade just because when I watched that Augusto fight, man, I was completely shocked. I was, I was like, wow. I mean, this guy's chin cannot hold up. He's getting rocked with little soft shots. And, you know, I think, uh, Mirab, you know, they'll fill each other out and eventually Mirab will land a left hook and wobble Frankie. And I feel like that will either keep him up on the cards or he'll get a finish. Um, Mirab has got very good wrestling. He's from Georgia, he's Levon MacAshreli's boy. And, uh, I think Frankie's, I think his wrestling's diminished too. That's the thing with these guys that are 37, 38 years old, you know, when they're like Gray Maynard, for example, you know what I'm saying? When he's not fighting Taru but like when he, when their chin diminishes, their whole game diminishes. His wrestling's not the same. He got taken down by Augusto in a pivotal moment in the third round to give Augusto that split decision win. And I feel like Mirab can take him down and beat him in the wrestling as well. I know he's a D1 wrestler, but I feel like his whole game has diminished. And uh, I, I, Put three units to win two on Mirab Divasvely. You know, I just need him to be Frankie Sainz. I I could care less what he does in the future, but I I feel like he's going to get a win here. Yeah, it's an interesting
0: fight, you know. And I did successfully fade Frankie Signs against Tankino with that plus 180. Now, this is a different spot because Mirab DeValishvili, he's not the dog here. He's a minus 155 favorite in his UFC debut. And I'll tell you what, the kid's got a lot of potential, man. Obviously, that grappling's on point. He's got a Sambo background. Also has a boxing background. I mean, we saw him... uh in the Golden Gloves finals, you know it was ugly as hell, but we still saw him in the Golden Gloves finals. You know it says a lot. The kid's 25 years old. He's training with Aljo every single day, so you know his grappling's on point. But unlike Aljo, you know if Mrab um, gets put in a bad spot, you know he's not gonna get punked out. He's not gonna you know start to question himself. He's gonna keep. He's gonna stay poised. He's gonna get back up, and he's gonna get back to his game plan. So it's interesting because. I feel like Frankie Signs is obviously the more seasoned guy. He's the more experienced guy, and also a D one wrestler. But Morab, he's got that youth on his side. And honestly, I was thinking about betting Morab, but when I watched the tape, I passed, man, because I feel like Morab's a little bit green—not too green to beat Frankie Signs, but green to where it's gonna—it's gonna be a sweat at some points, man, because he still has a lot of developing to do in his game. But man, his last fight, he came out there and he knocked out Rafion Stotts. And we were all, or at least I was saying, man, Rafion Stotts is about to get signed to the UFC. So the fact that Murab Develishvili went out there and knocked him out, that was a big statement in itself. And also, you've seen him go the three-round distance many times on the regional scene. So I think this fight's going to be a three-round grind. And I'm going to say Murab Develishvili by split decision. But don't be surprised if... uh, if he knocks out signs along the way, because signs' chin has been giving out badly, man. And I know Eddie Wineland didn't do him any favors. I know Tanquino didn't do him any favors. The reason that I'm not saying with an authority that Murab's going to knock him out is because I really think Murab is still green. I really think he's got a lot of developing to do. It should be enough to get the job done here, but I'm not convinced enough to bet it myself. So I'm going to pass, but I will pick Murab. Now, next up, in the flyweight division, we got Alex Perez. He's minus 400. The comeback on Carl's John DeThomas is plus 325. Now, I'm going to go ahead and break this one down first, man. Carl's John DeThomas, he's got one of the flyweight blitzes. If you've never experienced a flyweight blitz, it's a, it's a serious thing. But uh, you know who's someone who has experienced that flyweight blitz? It's Alex Perez. I mean, the kid's 18 and 4. He's basically experienced everything you can experience outside the octagon. His uh, debut in the UFC, it was really Dana White Tuesday not contender, but his debut inside the octagon, he looked like a vet out there, man. He looked like a seasoned guy. He was poised. And one little mistake from his opponent, he went out there, he snatched that neck, he choked him out. And I think the difference here is that, Carl John DeThomas is simply too green. The guys that he's been fighting on the regional scene have zero business in the UFC. We see with Carl John DeThomas, yeah, he's got that nice flyweight blitz, but he'll do a bunch of shit where, like, he'll shoot for a takedown, and then off that takedown attempt, he'll get his back taken. And you make little mistakes like that against a guy like Alex Perez, who trains under Timo Yama, uh, and uh, that neck is going to get snatched up again. So I'm going to go with Alex Perez. I mean, I think he's minus 400 for a reason, and I think he's going to win this fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, they think pretty much hit everything. Perez's solid experience. You know, he's not like one of these 4-0, 5-0 guys making their debut. The guy's 17-4, and I think. Uh, Dick Thomas, you know, the, the line is accurate, in my opinion. Perez's fight on Tuesday Night Contender Series, I mean, he fought a guy that beat Eric Shelton in a five-round fight. And, I mean, he took care of him from the opening bell. You could just see the in the lead-up to the finish, you could just see where that was going. And uh, I think Perez will get the job done here as well.
0: Now moving back up to the bantamweight division, we got Luke Sanders. He's minus 230. The comeback on Andre Sukumtut is plus 190. What are you thinking, man?
1: this is the definition of a pass fight for me, because both guys are what I like to consider flakes. You know, Luke Sanders, I was very high on this guy before he even made. You know, I actually predicted that he would uh, beat Maximo Blanco up away class on 145 in his debut, and he went out there and uh, handled him. And, uh, you know, his next fight against Yuri, kicking the shit out of Yuri, and then Yuri rolls for a leg lock and he tap-taps. And, you know, when you're betting, I mean... That just shows a sign that if anything goes wrong, I mean, I don't know if it was, I don't know what happened, I don't know what to say, I mean, but anything goes wrong and he taps like that, you know what I'm saying? You know, but Andre isn't going to roll for a leg lock. Andre's got some solid strikes, he's a long bantamweight, I mean, his fight against uh, Albert Morales was good, I liked what I saw in that third round, and you know, it was unfortunate what happened to him in the Alejandro Perez fight, he got weaseled, and Andre Sukumtach, all of his losses are by decision. And when you bet, you have to go in there with the mindset that this fight is going to go three rounds. And he's only won one decision, and that decision was like in his uh, second pro fight or something like that. I mean, so that just shows you that most likely he has to finish Luke Sanders to win this fight. And these are the definition of flakes. You don't want a a guy that drops a guy and then points at him that he dropped dropped him three times and just stands there because, you know, the difference between him and Alejandro and... Is that Alejandro got in his guard when he got uh when he dropped well somewhat dropped him? Alejandro got in his guard and sealed off that round, and Sukamtaja doesn't have that fight IQ. You know, I think this fight is a lot closer. I feel like the fight should probably be a him because I think Andre has his striking skills are that good, but you know both guys are flakes. I want nothing to do with this fight. I can't trust either guy. Sanders that. Tap was alarming, in my opinion, even though I think he is the overall better fighter here. But you can't trust the guy at minus 230. Don't parlay Luke Sanders. Don't uh, don't take the shot on Andre, because when he loses a split, you're going to be like, man, wow, he lost another decision. So uh, I'm going to pass, but uh, I'm going to take Luke Sanders by 29-28 split decision.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite side here, man. I I feel like Luke Sanders, you know, he's got a very powerful left hand. We got to talk about that. Uh, Anyone he touches with that left hand, they feel it right away. He's also got a little wrestling uh, in his game. But, man, Andre Sukumta, I feel like he got the short end of the stick his last fight. I really do. I understand, you know, the weaseling aspect. But, man, I scored every round for Andre Sukumta in that fight. I feel so bad for him. And I think this is a different matchup, man. I feel like uh, Luke is the kind of guy where, even though he went five rounds with Terry on Ware, I feel like something starts to change after that first round. I don't know what the deal was in that Yuri Akantara fight. You know, he straight panic tap, man. It was a... Uh, like, back when uh du Bronx fought Jim Miller, you know, and, and, and no disrespect to Yuri Alcantara's jujitsu game, no disrespect to Jim Miller's jujitsu game, because, you know, those dudes crank my knee, I'm tapping right away, too, you know what I'm saying? But I felt like at that level, you know, someone like Frankie Edgar, even though he's in a different weight class, you know, someone with that kind of toughness would have found a way to get out of it or would have found a way to survive, and uh, Andre Sukumta, this is a man with his back up against the wall, you know, if he loses this fight... He's most likely getting cut from the UFC. It was this man's dream to not just fight in the UFC, but to win a fight. I feel like having your back up against the wall is a very dangerous position to be in, especially with a guy that's as experienced as Andre Sukumta, and I think he's gonna finish Luke Sanders here in the second round with a flying knee. So I'm gonna go with Andre Sukumta, and I'm not betting this fight because like you said, man, when he loses a split decision, I'm gonna be like, Wow, why did I bet it? So, you know, I'd rather sit back, enjoy it, and I'm gonna go with Andre Sukumta. Now, next up in, I believe, the middleweight division, we got Trevin Giles. He's minus 250. The comeback on Antonio Braganetto is plus 210. Now, we haven't seen Antonio Braganetto in a while, but just to refresh everyone's memory, he submitted Anthony Smith in the very first round with a knee bar. And not only that, he touched him up on the feet, too. He destroyed Anthony Smith in the first round. If you guys know who Anthony Smith is, it's that dude that knocked out Hector Lombard his last fight. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, the dude that knocked out uh, Andrew Sanchez. Antonio Bragonetto handled that dude, but... You know, since then, since the Clint Hester fight, he's been gone a long while. And Trevin Giles looks like an athletic freak. What are you thinking here?
1: Yeah, um, it's an interesting fight because Roganetto I felt like he got straight robbed against Clint Hester. You know, Clint Hester is from Atlanta, but... Man, you know, I was alive. I was happy that he won, but I mean, if we're being honest, he lost that fight. Um, it was just because Braganetto was doing the typical Brazilian weasel shit and he actually couldn't get the, he couldn't finalize the weasel. Um, and Trevin Giles, very athletic. I mean, what he did in his debut against, uh, I don't even know what his name was. What was his name? But I mean, he butchered that boy from the opening bell. Bachnovic, yeah, some, some like that, some jobber. But uh, Trevin Giles is serious, man. But this fight actually has the potential to be a lot closer than the line indicates because let's say Trevin Giles comes out here and you know empties his load in round one. And then round two and three, you don't want a guy like Broganetto on top of you, man. I mean, the guy's got way better jujitsu than Trevon Giles. And, I mean, I know he's coming off almost a four-year layoff. But uh, if Trevin Giles empties out that gas tank, it's going to get real hairy. So uh, I'm going to take Trevin Giles just because Broganetto's been out for four years. But, I mean, lately, a lot of guys have been winning coming off two, three-year layoffs, man. And, uh I wouldn't be shocked if Braganetto, you know, shocked the world here. But I'm going to go with Trevin Giles. Um, I'm actually going to say he has to go the three-round distance to get this one. I'm going to pick Trevin Giles as well, but I'm going to pick him with a little bit more confidence.
0: I do think that the layoff is going to be a big factor here, especially when, look, I respect Antonio Braganetto's BJJ a lot. I mean, you saw how we submitted Anthony Smith, but... And no disrespect to our ATL boy, Clint Hester, but you know when you're rolling on the mound with that guy for three rounds, you can't tap him out at that level. I, I think that speaks volume, Shaq. And now with the new drug testing, with the four-year layoff, and the fact that Trevin Giles has been active inside the octagon, he just absolutely smashed his first opponent. I know that dude, you know, we can say whatever we want about him, but the bottom line is Trevin Giles performed under those lights. I think he's going to perform again. I think he's going to overwhelm Antonio Braganetto. Not sure if it's going to be a lopsided decision or a finish, but bottom line... I'm taking the favorite here, Trevin Giles. Now, next up in the women's bantamweight division.
1: Sure, uh, flyweight.
0: Oh, this, this strawweight? Flyweight. 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 We got so 125-pound bout. We got Liz Carmouche. She's minus 175. The comeback on Alexis Davis is plus
1: 155. Now, uh, has Alexis Davis won a fight since she had the kid? Yeah, she did want to fight. Um, you know, this is an interesting fight because they're both making that cut to one hundred and twenty-five. And I actually saw a little video of Alexis Davis. She lost a lot of weight. She's uh she's doing this cut down to one hundred and twenty-five correctly. But uh, you know, Liz Carmouche before she just had a two-year layoff before the Caitlyn Chukegan fight, and I mean, she came back a different fighter. I mean, it was actually pretty mind blowing in the sense that you know in the past. She would engage in that typical female bullshit, the head and arm throw, the, you know, the typical female shit. And now against Chukagin, who, in my opinion, has a bright future in the women's game, you know, Chukagin's a chick that can actually, you know, point fight, parry, you know, throw volume, throw multiple combinations, as where most of these chicks are still stuck in that Stone Age uh, sense of fighting. And I mean, shoot, uh, Liz Carmouche was not playing those old games that she used to play, man. She came in there bouncing around on the outside. And it's funny, you know, they they have fought before. And in that first fight, um, Liz Carmouche used to be a southpaw. So, you know, Alexis Davis was blasting her with that inside leg kick. And then she comes back after a two year layoff and now she's fighting Orthodox. So it's kind of interesting how she, uh, reinvented herself. Uh, I see her, you know, she's, competing in uh, EBI tournaments and, you know, things like that. Her gym now is uh, a 10th planet gym. And, you know, Alexis Davis, she's a pioneer of the game. She's been around uh, a long time, but I mean, I think she slowed down and I feel like she made a good point her last fight. She said, you know, with a baby now, it's kind of hard training. It's hard to, you know, be the fighter that she once was. And even the fighter that she once was, was a chick that, used to get tagged with pretty much every punch that her opponent throws. And, I mean, you know how the females is. They can't get knocked out, so she can just keep eating the shots. And uh, she would either, you know get arm bars like how she did against Sarah Kaufman or, you know, she beat a Jessica I who's like one in 15 in the UFC. And, you know, she had that title shot against uh, Ronda Rousey and she got knocked out. And it's funny. In fun- 16 <laughs> seconds. In 16 seconds. And, you know, it's funny because Liz Carmouche, I've seen her actually pick up a few chicks and slam them on their, on their heads in the UFC. And, uh, I mean – she's a physical specimen now I don't know what she was doing on that two-year layoff but I mean she came back and got her levels right I mean when she was walking into the octagon Joe Rogan made a point he was like I mean Jesus Christ look at this <laughs> like she looks like a, a, a physical specimen and I mean I saw pictures of her in this camp again and she's looking the same took another year off and I'm expecting you know an even better version of her in that uh coming into this fight. You know, the line opened up minus 140. I actually highly considered playing Liz, but, you know, when I got my Davi Ramos line, I was all in on Davi. So um, Liz Carmouche was actually my second option. Um, but uh, I think Liz Carmouche is going to get the job done here. I don't think she's going to engage Alexis Davis in that typical female fighting bullshit. None of the head and arm throws. She's completely took all that shit out of her game. And I mean, she's she's parrying strikes from Chusha- Chukagian and countering and the takedowns are nice and, and no head and arm throws. I mean, it wasn't a- impressive in my opinion so um look out for Liz at 125 125 is very weak if we're being honest I mean shout out to Nico Montano you know but <laughs> let's be honest here <laughs> her, oh, her her run is coming to a end very very soon <laughs> real quick because
0: I'm sure people would rather hear about this in this actual fight uh, you know I heard some people talking about Oh, you can't give uh, Nico Montano Valentina Shevchenko. Why the fuck not? Because First of all. Because
1: that fight can't be sanctioned, bro.
0: Yes, it can. <laughs> when you're a UFC champ, there's no baby steps. This isn't some prospect that we're developing, even though it kind of is. <laughs> but the bottom line is, you're holding that UFC belt. There's no, you know, oh, let's give her uh, Roxanne Modafferi, even though that's what just happened. Like, There's no let's give her Lauren Murphy. No, no, no. You're going to fight Valentina Shevchenko because you're holding that UFC gold. You should fight the number one contender. The number one contender is Valentina. I don't care if it's a fucking crime scene. Let's see that shit, man. I mean, when you're the champ, you fight the best. That's the bottom line.
1: Like I was saying, though, but uh... – <laughs> Poor Nico, cause she is absolutely fucked. I mean, you know, I feel like if Liz Carmouche and her fight, I mean, I feel like Liz Carmouche would you know slam her on her head. But uh, I'm gonna go with Liz Carmouche in this one. I feel like you know she's evolved her game. Um, un- unlike Alexis Davis, I feel like she's made the proper changes into her game. And like I said, if you watch her fight with Lauren Murphy and her fight with uh Kaylen Truquayan, I mean, it's a completely different chick. So I'm gonna take Liz Carmouche by 26.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take Carmouche as well. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to go down. But, I mean, I feel like with Alexis Davis, you know, you saw how her body looked, you know, after the baby. And, you know, I'm not here body shaming or any bullshit like that. But, look, man, we're breaking down these fights. When, when a fighter's looking a little softer, I'm going to straight up say it. Just like I say it for all the dudes. Why can't I say it when a chick's looking a little soft? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, she just had a baby. Well, my girl Laura Sanko had a baby recently too. She ain't looking soft. I'll tell you that right now. So, uh you know, it's one of these situations where Alexis Davis, let, let's be honest, she lost to Cindy Dandwa, I mean, yeah, officially it's a win, we know the decision was kind of shaky that night in, in Nashville, but, uh, Cindy Danwa beat Alexis Davis, I, that, that's all I gotta say about that, you know, this fight going at 125 is gonna be interesting, because Alexis Davis actually has to lose some weight, so we'll see if, uh, you know what I'm saying, we'll, we'll be seeing if she's, uh, walking around with, uh, those love handles anymore, and, uh, Liz Carmouche is a lot better, but Liz Carmouche does a bunch of dumb shit in her fights. You know what I mean? She, It looked like she beat Misha Tate, and then she lost to Misha Tate. She takes Ronda Rousey's back and then gets reversed, gets armbar. So she's the kind of fighter where she'll start off good, she'll get in the good spots, and then she'll do something to fuck it up along the way. Like even the Chukagin fight, which she clearly won two or three rounds, and she's cruising the first two rounds. That third round, she goes out there and gets dropped. So I don't trust Liz Carmouche at all, but I trust uh, Alexis Davis even less. And obviously, I'm not betting this fight. I'll pick Liz Carmouche by uh, decision. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, don't don't be surprised if Liz is winning the whole fight and then she gets armbarred. Now, next up in the men's bantamweight division, we got Albert the Warrior Morales. He's minus 110, and Benito Lopez is also minus 110. What do you think, man?
1: You know, it's a, it's a very good fight. You know, Benicio, uh, his fight on Tuesday Night Contender Series, you know, I actually watched it recently. And, you know, first round, I mean, super flashy, flying knees. I mean, he's a long weight. The guy's like 5'10", 5'11", if I'm not mistaken. Very long weight training at Team Alpha Male, Albert Morales, training at Black House. Albert Morales, I mean, he's had the short end of the stick, man. I mean, a guy comes in, fights Alejandro's debut, then Thomas Almeida, and then, you know, they put him in there with Touch, another tough fight, and then he has to fight Brett Johns, who, you know, is one or two top prospects at 135 right now, and uh, he's had the short end of the stick, and I don't think he's getting, you know, any easier fights with Benito because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Benito lost that fight. He didn't lose that fight. I, I rewatched it. He won two rounds to one. It was a tough fight. I thought his opponent was actually a perfect test for that level. Of uh for that level of that stage in his career because you know Stephen Peterson is a, a former legacy champion and you know Benito handled him well man you know the cardio was a little in question but I mean when you're when you're uh, throwing flying knees and spinning head kicks that's what happens you you gas out and uh, Albert Morales I mean I feel like he's a tough guy but I feel like I feel like his stand-up isn't improving, you know? I feel like his jiu is really good. I feel like, you know, he's a tough guy. I feel like he's willing to eat shots, and I feel like he's game as fuck, but I feel like, just standing inside the pocket, I feel like he's still a little choppy. I, I, I really don't see that much improvement in him. I wouldn't be shocked if he took this one, but I'm going to go with Benito. I think he's going to have to go three rounds because I know Albert ain't no quitter. I know Albert's going to be here for the duration of the three rounds. I feel like it's going to be a similar fight to the Peterson fight, Um, you know. I feel like Benito actually does have potential to have a good career at 135. I mean, that doesn't say, I mean, the guy's never lost the fight. He's undefeated as an amateur, he's undefeated as a pro. So that first L is coming up very soon, and this is the perfect spot. I mean, Albert Morales' back is bad against the wall. I mean, if he loses, one, loses this one, I don't think he'll get cut, but I, it'll be, it'll, it'll, you know, his record won't look so hot. So, uh, I'm going to go with Benito. I think he's just going to take advantage of the openings inside the pocket. Like I said, I feel like Albert's really choppy inside, uh, exchanging punches. But uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Albert pulled it off.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I felt like Benito's last fight, even though he won, I felt like it showed the, the blueprint on how to beat this kid. And, I mean, look, that first round, I mean, he's a dynamo, man. He's coming out there with the flying knees, the spins. He's super dynamic. He's huge for the weight class. I mean, you shouldn't you shoot in on a sloppy takedown on Benito Lopez, he's going to snatch that neck as well. I mean, kind of reminded me of like when Showtime Pettis was first coming up in the WEC and, you know, he's tapping those dudes out. He's getting them with flying knees. He's doing all these things. But uh, after that first round, man, Benito was not the same dude, and he was in there with, you know, no offense to Peterson, but let's just say Peterson wouldn't really swim with the Sharks at 135 in the UFC, and I, I fully believe that. And I was very surprised. You know, I felt like Benito was very lucky to win the contract, let alone win that fight. And let's just put it like that. And with Albert, man, his back is seriously up against the wall. But this is the first time in his UFC career that he gets a full training camp. Let's talk about his UFC career real quick. He gets the call to fight Alejandro Perez on the border of Mexico on two weeks short notice. In my opinion, he won that fight. But, you know, Alejandro Weasel, which he is known for. Then Albert gets a two week short notice call to co-headline in Brazil against Tomas Almeida, okay? Then he uh, fights Andre Sukumtut on a week short notice on the year end car on the year end card in uh, Vegas. Then he gets another short notice call, he's gotta go all the way to Scotland to fight Brett Johns, who's undefeated, who is you know probably the number one prospect at 135 pounds. I mean, talk about a murderer's road, talk about not getting a break. Now he's got a full training camp under him, and look, we're not fighting Alejandro on the border of Mexico. We're not fighting Tomas Almeida in Brazil. We're not fighting Brett Johns in Scotland. Now we get a full training camp. We're in our backyard in California, and I know Benito's from Cali as well, but look, I think what's going to happen here is that Benito is going to come out here win the first round, then after that, he's going to slow down. I think that Albert's going to take advantage and grind out those last two rounds, get a much-needed UFC win, and get back on track, man. There's a reason they gave Albert a new contract after that last L, because they like people that'll step up on short notice, fight anyone, anytime, anyplace, and Albert comes to fight more importantly. I know his last fight, he got grinded out, but that wasn't a case where... Albert doesn't know how to stuff a takedown or Albert doesn't know how to push the head down or wall walk or anything like that. It was simply a case where Brett Johns is that damn good. Brett Johns is that damn physical. I mean, you saw what Brett Johns just did at Joe Soto. One does not simply tap out Joe Soto in 30 seconds, let alone with a cap slicer. I just think, you know, the dudes he's been fighting are on a completely different level. And now he finally gets someone that's on his level. And I think he's going to shine here, man. So I'm going to go with Albert Morales by unanimous decision. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Eric Anders. He's minus 280. The comeback on Marcus Perez is plus 240. Now, uh, you know, we watched the tape on Marcus. Uh, he was looking a little bit small for 85, man. It's going to be interesting to see how he deals with the athleticism and the sheer uh, force of nature that is Eric
1: Anders. Eric Anders, D1 football player, and not just a D1 football player. We're talking about University of Alabama, you know what I'm saying? The cream of the crop, Division one football player. And uh Marcus Perez got some nice jujitsu, his last fight, uh, against Ian Heinisch. who if Ian Heinisch would have won that fight, he would have probably been in the UFC. He was actually the guy supposed to, that was supposed to win that fight. And uh Marcus Perez took care of him. Look, Eric Anders is scary, man. I mean, that fight with Rafael Natal, I mean, I felt bad for Rafael Natal <laughs> <laughs> to be locked in a cage with a fucking, you know, division one middle linebacker uh i mean
0: <laughs> that can fight <laughs> that can fight
1: <laughs> poor poor half man i mean that guy uh he he retired for a reason just put it that way and uh you know marcus perez you know i feel like the lines of are- About accurate. I've seen Eric Anders go five rounds, um, you know, in his fight with Brendan Allen, who was also on the verge of getting signed by the UFC. um,
0: And will get signed uh, very soon.
1: Exactly. And uh, Eric Anders, you know, won the first three rounds, which is this fight is three rounds. If this was a five round fight, then it might get hairy because in that fight with Brendan Allen, he completely gassed out in the last two. I'm going to go with Anders in this one. Like I said, I feel like Perez is a a welterweight fighting uh, Anders. But, you know, if Anders blows himself out in the first round, like we said about Trevin Giles, he better be very fucking careful playing with. This guy, Marcus Perez, but I feel like his size will bail him out of a lot of uh, situations if it gets hairy. But uh, I think Eric Anders will get a second round TKO.
0: Man, it's interesting because Marcus Perez. When you talk about do these prospects have enough experience on the regional scene when they come into the UFC? The answer is yes for Marcus Perez because, look, he went in there with Paulo Tiago, the UFC vet, the guy that knocked out Josh Koshek. Marcus Perez beat him. He beat Ildemar Alcantara, who's also a UFC vet. Now, on one hand, you look at it and you say, well, shit, he went to a split decision with Paulo Tiago. We know for a fact Eric Anders would smoke Paulo Tiago and won. Well, we had Eric Anders on the show. I asked him about that. I'm like, bro, do you at all feel like the fact that, you know, he went to a split with Paul Tiago, are you at all like, man, I would have put this dude out in the first, and Eric Anders gave him the benefit of the doubt. Eric Anders was like, hey, man, it looked like the mat was really slippery in that fight, and if, th- if it was anywhere else with a more solid canvas, he might have actually put him out. I was like, wow, that's a very humble thing of uh, Eric Anders to say, you know what I mean? And here in the UFC's octagon, it's going to be interesting, because Marcus Perez, he actually is an athletic guy, but... Like Eric Anders said in our interview, Marcus Perez throws big loopy shots and Eric Anders throws straight down the middle. We know straight down the middle lands before a big loop. And, you know, a straight line lands before a a circle, bottom line. And uh, I think when he does one of his uh, athletic blitzes, man, Marcus Perez is going to be like, oh, shit, so this ain't Paulo Thiago or Ildemar Alcantara anymore. This is unlike anything I've ever faced before. And Marcus Perez will be back. He's going to have a bright future. But right here, right now, at UFC Fresno, I think Eric Anders is about to stop him, man. And, uh, of course, I'm taking your boy. Minus 280, Eric Anders, No bet because, uh, you know, I already got enough money invested on Davi Ramos. But uh, Eric Anders is about to take care of biz here. And I'm very excited for him to go 2-0 in the UFC. And next up in the lightweight division, we got Scott Hot Sauce Holdsman. Scotty, he's minus 120. And the comeback on Daryl Horcher is plus 100. What's Horcher's nickname?
1: Uh, Does he even have a
0: nickname? Is it, is it the Knight Horcher?
1: I have no idea. But, uh, Horcher, <laughs> Horcher, man, you know, I thought he was a jobber, but then I rewatched him, man. The, the motherfucker's got a nice ass left hand, and, you know, I saw highlights of him before the Khabib under my Good meadow fight, because it's funny, actually, uh, it's funny, um, Zaleski Dos Santos fought Omari that night, and, you know, back in my jobber days, like I see a lot of you motherfuckers doing parlaying underdogs, I, I put Zaleski <laughs> at plus 125 in a parlay with one open spot, and, uh, I I finished it with Khabib Nurmagomedov who was like minus a thousand <laughs> and uh um but yeah I saw some highlights of Horcher. I mean he knocked out EJ Brooks um you know his only losses I think were to Felipe Nover and Khabib uh, no they had another loss on the local scene I can't remember who it was it's somebody in the UFC though I can't think um and you know I saw him knock out Frankie Edgar's boy Chris Lagori in devastating fashion and uh, the guy's got a nice left hand, and the reason I bring that up is because Holtzman, he's, like I said about Gritzmeiger, he's one of those typical MMA lab guys that like to rely on their ability to eat shots and keep moving forward in hope, in hopes that their opponent breaks. And Holtzman, I think he's tough as fuck. I mean, I watched his Dober fight. I mean, him and Dober had a bloody war. I mean, they were both bloodied up, and, you know, they were both, you know in the wizard position, fighting for takedowns, I mean, going tooth and nail, and, you know, it's fight with Josh Emmett, who, I mean is a tank of a man at 155 and 145. I mean, Holtzman held his own because he's so tough. I mean, he's a, a former pro hockey player. You know, Dan Dan doesn't think he's a former pro hockey player, but uh, he's not. He, he's, a, he's a former pro hockey player. Remind me when he played in the <laughs> NHL, please. He's a former pro hockey player. He's, a, okay, a, min, a minor league pro hockey player, but still, it's a, he was a pro. He got drafted, just put it that way. And, uh, you know, Holtzman... Uh, he wasn't uh-oh.
0: pro shit.
1: <laughs> he got drafted. So, uh, Holtzman I mean, he's a solid guy. But the reason I bring that up is I feel like he walks in with his face first. I mean, in all of his fights, he keeps doing it. I mean, he just walks in with his face first and he eats a shot, but he just keeps walking through. But eventually he's going to pay the price for that. And I feel like Horcher might be the guy that exposes that. And I mean, Horcher, you know, he's coming off that motorcycle accident, you know, the Khabib fight where he said just everything in the lead up to it was just terrible. And, you know, that motorcycle accident and to be honest, if we're being honest, he, he won every round against Devin Powell. The reason why it was a split is because Horcher just kept fucking around. I don't know why, but he just he kept doing stupid shit like like purposely leaving his neck in on Darst chokes and guillotines and shit like that and I mean, but he won every round of that fight, I like I actually like his style, because, you know, he just, like, chills out, he kind of reminds me of, like, a southpaw root where he just chills out, chills out, chills out, but when he goes, he throws, like, multiple left hands in a row, and that left hand's money, so I'm actually going to take Horcher in this one, I I actually think he's going to land the more effective shots in this one, I think he's going to win two rounds, I actually considered Holtzman initially, but when I watched that uh horcher uh fight with devin powell i was like that left hand is money man and uh i think he's gonna wobble holzman at some point and win a split decision or 29-28
0: yeah no that left hand is money and you know Daryl horcher kind of reminds me of an old school gray manner you know he'll do absolutely nothing for the first four minutes of the round but then when it's time to seal off that last minute and win the round he knows exactly how to do that. He'll take you down. He'll lay on you. Do absolutely nothing. But when that left hand lands, you're gonna feel it. So we basically got the 2017 version of old school Gray Manor. That's what uh, that's what Daryl Horcher is, and with Scott Holtzman, man, you know he's a he's a physical dude out there. He's a he's a bruiser, man. He comes to brawl, you know, and uh, his fights get interesting because you know. First of all, he loses decisions to Drew Dober, which, you know, Drew Dober's come a long way. You know, it's not that. Don't,
1: ba- don't, don't, don't shit on my boy Dober like that. <laughs> it's,
0: it, it's not like back when we used to, you know, joke around about losing to Dober. Now, Dober's come a long way. He's uh,
1: Dober's a solid guy. <laughs>
0: you know, so just don't be surprised if this fight goes to a split either way. I'm going to go with Scotty here just because I feel like. Now he's got that momentum. Now he's going to start to kind of come into his own, whereas Horcher, I felt like his swan song, his hurrah, was that Devin Powell fight because for him, you know, he had the motorcycle accident. He had all these things, and, you know, his dream was just to get his arm raised one time inside the octagon. It happened. He got his arm raised one time inside the octagon. Congrats. But now I think that Scott Holzman has got the momentum. I think he's going to come in here and win a split. But one thing I want to say, I want to give a shout-out to to my boy Daryl Horcher because in that Khabib fight, I bet the under one and a half. And if you know about Khabib's history, you know that one and a halves do not cash in Khabib Nurmagomedov fights. But against Daryl Horcher, the the under one and a half did cash. So, much, you know, thank you, Daryl Horcher, for that. You know what I'm saying? But in this spot, man, I'm going to go with Scott Holdsman by split decision. I I think that he'll land slightly more volume. And then when, you know, Daryl tries to steal the round at the four minute mark with a takedown, I actually think Scott's going to be able to stop it, man. So I'm going to go with Scott by split. Now, this one I'm very much looking forward to, man. Bantamweight division. There's a lot of bantamweight fights on this card. Magic Marlon Moraes He's minus 150, and Aljamain Sterling is plus 130.
1: Aljamain Sterling? What can I say about the guy? You know, when he was uh, back in his days when he was a top five guy and he was uh, a future, a future world champion. You know, I have quotation marks up on my hands right now as I'm recording this. And, uh, you know, me and my boy Dan, you know, we, uh, successfully faded him against my boy Brian Caraway. Shout out to my boy Brian Caraway, by the way. One of the, he's honestly a better weasel than Alejandro Perez. I mean, Brian Caraway is the weasel. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, my boy Brian Caraway straight up broke him. Like Cody Garbrand said, you got broken by the biggest pussy in the division. And, uh, <laughs> he got broken. And, you know, we hit that plus 350 and the points handicap, and, uh, Aljo, I mean, what can I say, you know, then he got splitted by my, my fellow ATL boy, Rafael Asuntal, which, you know, no shame in that, Rafael did the same thing to Marais, and, uh, you know, his next fight against Augusto, uh, he got dropped by a jiu-jitsu guy. You know, and then you know his fight with Henan. Come on, guys. We know Henan's done. Let's not mince words. Don't forget that Henan was a former champ. Henan has nothing left in the tank, and you know he had a good first round. And Aljo got to feast on the carcass of, you know, what TJ did. And it is what it is. And you know, look. Okay, I'm talking shit now, but I'll be, I'll get I'll be honest. Aljo, he's got good grappling. He is improving. You know, I, Aljo reminds me a lot of a, another guy that, you know, he reminds me of Elias, in a sense, where, like, on the feet, he just kicks, kicks, and kicks, the kicks really don't have shit on them, but he just throws a fucking massive volume amount of kicks, and, you know, he finds a way to win fights, except when he fights guys that, you know, will push him, and, you know, Marlon Moraes in my opinion, is gonna push him, you know, Marlon Moraes I feel like Marlon Moraes is more, you know, prone to getting losing the guys that will drop him, hurt him, like Rafael Anjos, or, you know, his last fight against Austin, I feel like that's honestly a worse matchup for him, you know, the reason why I'm not on Marlon in this spot is because, like I said, Aljo reminds me of Elias, these guys, they're hard to fight because they don't really fight, you know what I'm saying, these guys like to run away, they just like to kick and run off and it's hard to fight a guy like that, even though it's not exciting, even though it's it's super hard to fight a guy like that. Even though like for example, my boy Brad's of ours is a hundred times better than Elias, but that fight ended up being a close decision because Elias just fucking kicks and kicks and kicks and I feel like that's a similar story. I actually think this fight is gonna be really close. I think Marlon Moraes is gonna put up gonna edge it out. Just I feel like he's gonna, you know, make the crowd go, ooh, when he lands a overhand right or a combo like that. But this fight is really close because Aljo's a super tough guy to fight. And, you know, on the grappling, I don't I don't think he can take Marais. I think he might take him down maybe once or twice early, but can he do it consistently for three rounds? I don't think so because Marlon Marais is a guy that trains with Frankie Edgar every day. He trains with Eddie Alvarez every day. And he's also used to getting kicked by Edson Barbosa. Him and Edson Barbosa go way back uh, back in Brazil. So, I mean, he's been dealing with kickers a long time. Um, you know, I'm going to pass and enjoy this fight. My pick is Marais, but I wouldn't be shocked if Sterling, you know, weasel a split out just because I said, His type of style is super hard to fight, man. Like I said, a is way better than this guy, but it went to a split, you know? And it is what it is. But uh, I'm going to go with Marlon Moraes, but I'm passing, man. I'm just going to enjoy this one. I feel like it could go either way.
0: I'm going to pick Marlon Moraes as well, but with a little bit more confidence. And I agree, you know, Aljo is a tough guy to fight, just like Elias. But I also feel like, you know, when these guys step up, they get figured out every time. And, you know, when we talk about Elias' kicking game, Listen, it, it it needs to be understood that we're not, you know, comparing it to Jose Aldo or Edson Barboza no. or people with real <laughs> kicking games, you know what Like I'm I saying?
1: said, the kicks don't have shit on them, but they just keep throwing, kicking, 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 you know what I'm saying?
0: Uh, it's just a way to avoid a fight. And then on the mat, Aljo's a monster on the mat, but... I, he might take down Marlone one time. I think Marlone will get back up. I think Marlone's going to butcher him with that right kick, man. Also, Marlon really impressed me in his last fight. I think the only reason it was a split is because he got dropped in that first round. And, you know, when you get dropped, you know, people have a certain impression of how the fight's going. But, look, he got dropped in that first round, then you controlled the next 14 minutes. So, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty clear decision for Marlone in that fight. And when you start making a guy like Dodson look slow on the feet, when you start teeing off on a guy like, uh, like Dodson – that, that told me a lot because I thought there was going to be a huge speed difference in that fight. And there wasn't, man. Marlon, he made his style work. And he slowed down Dodson. And uh, he messed with him, too. And also, Marlon's not scared to get dirty in there, too, man. He's not scared to throw two low blows, eye poke you one time, get that ref's warning, and then not do it again. But, you know, it'll compromise the opponent. And, yeah, you might call it dirty. You might call it whatever. But when we're betting on these fights, when we're picking winners... You know, you need a stable of guys that know how to cheat to win, like my boy John Bones Jones, you know, who always utilizes that I poke and uh like,
1: like my boy Caraway. It's funny, uh in that third round, you know, Algermain was about to actually get a reversal and Caraway grabbed the fence <laughs> <laughs> to hold on and he stayed on top. So you gotta have good cheaters and weasels on your team.
0: Yeah, and I don't think you know the little cheating is going to be the story of this fight. I, I think that the hard right kick. I think the technical prowess of Marlon Moraes is going to be the story. I think he's going to outwork Aljamain and just out, just outstrike him out and just beat him everywhere. But if we need to, you know, use some dirty tactics along the way, I think we will. I think we're experienced enough to do so. And the people that. I worry most about when Marlon fights are, are hard, heavy hitters. You know, I was like worried against John Dotson because we've seen in the past, like even in Marlon's, you know, shooto fights in that gym in Brazil, you know, his chin ain't the best. His heart's the best, but his chin ain't the best. But with a dude like Aljo, who, you know, has absolutely zero power, I ain't worried about it whatsoever, man. And I'm not worried about him getting, you know, double full Nelson. You know, I'm not worried about any of that shit happening. So I'm going to go with uh, Marlon. But let's talk about, you know, Aljo versus Burrell because I know it's a big deal in a lot of people's eyes that Aljamain Sterling beat Hennan Barao, and the way I view it is, so you saw that first round, Hennan Barao completely outclassed him, but Hennan had nothing left after, after the first round. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the new USADA testing. Maybe it's the two TJ beatings. But bottom line... Barrow hasn't had that same cardio that he used to have. I mean, you remember the original Faber fight, the five-round one. I mean, he 50 45 man. He was good to go all five rounds, and now he's gassing out after that first, and that's something that Marlon's not going to do. If Marlon gasses out after that first, then hey, much respect, Aljo. Go ahead and take this one, but I, I highly doubt that's what's going to happen here, man, and also much lesser competition has been showing signs that they're able to do successful things against Aljo. They just haven't been able to seal the deal. Like, what I'm talking about is Tanquino Mendes dropped Aljamain Sterling. Now, if Marlon drops Aljamain Sterling, he's going to follow up. He's going to finish the fight. When Tanquino Mendes dropped Aljamain Sterling, he immediately jumped for a guillotine. That was a, a sign of bad fight IQ, man. And then, you know, he gave up position. He was on his back for the rest of the round. Judges forgot about that knockdown. And Aljo won, man. So... Those are little things that Marlone's not gonna do. He's not gonna gas out after the first round like Burrell, and he's not gonna go for a guillotine when he uh, drops a drops Aljo like uh, Tankinio did. So little things like that. And then we saw the blueprint against Caraway. We gotta get past that first round and break this guy. And think Marlon's got the perfect skill set to do that. So I'm gonna go with Marlon by 30-27 unanimous decision. Co-main event of the evening featherweight division we got Jason the Kid Knight he's minus 310 he's taking on Gabriel Mowgli Benitez who's plus 255 what are you thinking Shaq
1: I think the line's a joke to be honest you know I know Jason Knight was on a was on a quite the run before the Ricardo Lamas fight and you know before that fight I I had a, a you know everyone was forgetting everyone was in this Jason Knight love fest like he was this invincible guy that can't be knocked out that can't that's just gonna get through anything and that's not the that's not the case with anyone everyone's can get knocked out like we just saw this past weekend with Justin Gaethje which we uh predicted on half the battle and uh everyone has to take that L man and uh Jason and I had to take his it's a good lesson Ricardo Lamas no shame in that top five guy been a top five guy for god knows how long and you know Gabriel Benitez plus 255 I feel like this is a a good style matchup for him because you know You know, Gabriel's last fight with Barzola, you know, I'm actually going to go in here and on the record to say that I think Enrique Barzola is a way better overall fighter than Jason Knight. And I know Jason Knight's tough. I know Jason Knight will never quit. I know he's a tenacious hillbilly animal that will not quit. But the thing is, you know, in that Caceres fight, every time Caceres landed a left kick to the leg, his, his leg would give out. Every time uh, he landed a straight left, you know, Knight wouldn't have an answer for it. But, you know, Caceres doesn't win UFC fights. That's why Caceres has lost half of his fights. And, you know, the thing is with Gabriel, it's a matter of can you trust the guy? The line is off, I'll tell you that. But can you trust the guy? Because he failed to make the adjustments in the Barzola fight. Because, granted, I think Barzola's a lot better, but. Barzola just kept getting takedown after takedown after takedown. And I mean, man, you got to make an adjustment. You got to get your underhooks. You got to. He just couldn't make that adjustment. So, you know. I feel like Jason Knight doesn't really have those double legs against the fence. I feel like he has body locks, but I mean, if this fight becomes a war, it's a 50-50 fight at that point, but I feel like on the feet it's a good matchup for Gabriel. I feel like the left kick to the body is going to play a major weapon. I feel like if he mixes it up low and high, I feel like he can make Knight look real silly out there, but the thing is Jason Knight ain't going to fucking quit, I'll tell you that much right now. The guy's got mad heart, and uh, it's going to be a war. A Mexican guy versus a, a guy from Mississippi that grew up in the sticks riding four-wheelers and probably, you know, fighting in trailer parks and things like that, so, you know, it's a, I'm going to have to pass on Gabriel, but I'm, I'm going to pick Gabriel, but, you know, I'll probably uh, kick myself for not betting it because um, I feel like it's a really good matchup for him on the feet if he shows up. I know he's training with Alejandro at AKA um, – But I feel like, man, if this fight becomes a bloody back-and-forth war, that's the type of shit Knight likes. But if Gabriel can stick to a game plan, if he can circle off, land that left kick, I feel like he's going to butcher him with that left kick, man, you know? Um, If he can just do it for two rounds and just hold on in the third one, because, I mean, chasing nice jujitsu is absolutely disgusting. I mean, one one fuck-up with that guy on the mat, one back-take, I mean, he'll choke you out. So I'm going to have to pass, but uh, the pick is Gabriel. I think from a betting perspective,
0: it's dog or pass. But from a pick's perspective, it's interesting. I'm actually going to go with Jason the Kid Knight. I'll tell you why, man. I feel like you're right about you know the first couple opening exchanges, man. is going to land that left kick. He's going to blast Jason Knight. Jason Knight, might his legs might even give out. He might get dropped. But eventually, I think Jason Knight's going to find his way to the back of Gabriel, and he's going to be able to win rounds that way. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to choke him out. Maybe, maybe not, but I think Jason Knight's going to win the decision here in a fight of the night type war where both men wobble, both men get dropped, but I think the difference here is going to be that Jason Knight's going to be able to get those takedowns, man, and or get those back takes. The thing is, man, when you see this minus 310, you see this plus 255 as a gambling man, you know, you got to take risks sometimes, man. You got to, you know, play these underdogs because that's what wins long term. Now, if I wasn't betting Davi Ramos already, if I didn't have a max bet on the line, I'd maybe consider taking a one or two unit shot on Gabriel, even though I think Jason Knight's probably going to win this, just because plus 255 is kind of a joke. But I understand why Jason's favored, man, because Gabriel, even though, you know, like you said, man, that left kick. I mean, Javier Mendez said it himself, man. The dude kicks harder than Luke Rockhold, you know? And Jason Knight is going to feel that left kick. Believe you me, he will He will feel that left kick of Gabriel Benitez. But I'm not convinced Gabriel, you know, stops the back kick. I'm not convinced he stops the double leg. Not that this is some D1 double leg or anything like that. Far from it. But we've seen in the past it doesn't take much to take Gabriel down. I mean, goddamn Humberto Brown took the guy down. You know what I'm fucking saying, man? So I think Jason Knight will be able to take him down, even though Gabriel is training with guys – Like uh, Kane Velasquez, even though Kane's injured and he's probably not training with him. But, you know, he's training with Khabib. He's training with some great wrestlers every single day. But uh, when it comes time to executing it inside the UFC's octagon, Jason Knights found a way to get these guys down to the mat, man. Except uh, Llamas. And that was very alarming. And, you know, you actually point out that pre-fight interview (laughs) to me where he's, you know, when some people get 50K bonuses and they've never had money before in their lives, you know, it, you know, it, it, they go off the deep end a little bit, man. You know what I'm saying? He's getting into four-wheeler accidents. You, know, you know,
1: weeks before the fight.
0: You know that all his friends that he never even – you know his third cousin he never even knew existed came into his life all of a sudden is asking him for money. You know what I'm saying? All that kind of shit happens when you get those kind of bonuses. But I would have to assume, and I could be wrong, I would have to assume that once you get your ass kicked the way he did against Lamas, you have to say, all right, I need to get my shit together. Knowing the kind of competitor Jason Knight is. That's probably what he said. If he didn't learn his lesson and he's still out there partying all the time, then Gabriel might make it look easy. It might be a head kick knockout. But if Jason said, All right, man, I, I got to get my shit together, then I think he's going to be able to take that back of Gabriel and grind out this fight after some very scary moments where he gets kicked hard. I'm going to go with uh, Jason by 29 28 decision, but uh, dogger pass from a betting perspective. Main event of the evening. Brian T. City Ortega, he's a minus 120, and Cub Swanson is plus 100. Now, man, I really wanted to play Brian T. City Ortega at Dog Money, but uh, it looks like the public public came in on Brian Ortega, even though I see every single person on Twitter on Cub Swanson, which is kind of interesting. It shows that uh, these dudes are betting $1 units.
1: Yeah, you know... I thought the same thing. You know, I thought Ortega was going to get better because on Twitter, it seemed like everyone was putting max bets on uh, Cub Swanson. 50-cent bets yeah. on Cub Swanson. that's you know, so <laughs> interesting. Um, you know, Cub Swanson, this might be his last fight with the company, man. He might be fighting Manny Sanchez in a few months, and uh, you know who I got in that fight. And uh, Ortega, I faded him. <laughs> I tried to fade him against Anato Micano And, man, let me tell you about that fight. So going into the fight, I mean, look at the tape on Ortega, I mean, the fight with Diego Brandao, he literally stares at Diego Brandao for two rounds, and just doesn't throw, he does the same thing against Guida, first round, literally just stares at Guida, gets dropped, and doesn't throw, he did it in the second round as well, the guy just wasn't throwing, so I'm thinking, you know, going into that fight, that he's gonna do the same shit, because he keeps getting away with it, and a different motherfucker came out in that fight because he fucking took it to Hanato in that first round. And, you know, I felt like Hanato answered back well, but I ain't never seen Ortega just bite down right away from the opening bell and just come at a motherfucker like that. And uh, I was shocked, man. And he drowned my boy Hanato. He broke Hanato's nose. Uh, His hands got a lot better. His boxing got, I mean, that was a drastic improvement in his hands. I mean, watching that fight live, I was like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) I wasn't expecting this guy. And, uh, you know, that just shows the type of improvement he's been putting in. I know he's been putting in work at Black House with Albert and Luke Sanders. And, and you know, it's that training's paying off. And, you know, Cub Swanson, like I said, one of the best to ever do it, man. Cub Swanson's a has been a top five guy for God knows how long, man. I mean, the guy has been doing this shit for a long time. And, I mean, he he, he likes to accomplish what he calls a beautiful destruction, And, uh, I feel like he's getting a little sloppier, though, man. I mean, if we're being honest, his 4-5 win streak, let's not put too much stock into that because, I mean, he beat Hakan Diaz, who we, who... You know, you've heard me on Half the Battle tell you that you should always fade. You always fade Hakan Diaz. And, you know, he beat Tatsuya Kawajiri in an ugly fight. I mean, Tatsuya won the first round. And, you know, Tatsuya was a 37-year-old thirty-seven, old, 37 year old, old man. And by that fight, and then, you know, the Duho fight was impressive because Duho uh, has got some very good hands. But, I mean, Duho stands right in front of you, and he likes to exchange. And it was time for Duho to take that first L, just like a lot of these guys. And, you know, the Artem Lobov fight... You know, Artem a 500 fighter, but my thing in this fight, all the top prospects at 145 have lost this year. Um, Hanato Maikano, Jason Knight, Mursad Bechtig, Duho Choi, Yair Rodriguez, um, Gavin Tucker... I mean, we can go down the list, all of them, except Brian Ortega. And the reason why Ortega is different than these guys, well, different than a few of these guys is because, I mean, the guy's been facing adversity since his second UFC fight. I mean, Thiago Tavares fight, he got bloodied up bad. You know, that was a tough fight where he had to pull that one out, man. That's a tough fight to go through that early in your career. And not to mention, he went five rounds back in the RFA. And, you know, then his fight with Diego Brandao got completely teed off on the first two rounds and comes back and pulls off a win. Then he comes back against Clay Guida and pulls on and knocks Clay Guida out. So the guy comes back around versus And then his fight with Hanatsu Micano, that guy fight of the night, that was a complete war. And uh, he pulled that one off. So if he loses this one, this will, you know, just further prove that it's always time to take that first L. Like I said, all the top prospects at 145 loss this year, except Ortega. So we're about to find out if he's going to, you know, take that first L this year. I'm going to take Ortega in this one. I think Cubs too sloppy, honestly. I think Ortega can honestly beat him on the feet, especially in a five-round fight, man. One fuck-up on the mat with that guy. He could be a uh, tap-tap city. And what are all of uh, Cubs Swanson's losses by? Submission, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, this fight is kind of cutting dry. It might not be that simple. I know Cubs allegedly a black belt, but I mean... He got his black belt online, <laughs> You know, but the guy's been tapped out by Jens Pulver, Ricardo Lamas, Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway, and... Uh, Shannon Gugarty. Shannon Gugarty. I mean, the guy's been tapped out several times. And uh two facial reconstructive surgery. This becomes a bloody back-and-forth war. But, you know, the reason why I was most likely going to pass... You know, even though if it was dog money, I would have considered it, but I was most likely going to pass just because of the undefeated thing, man. The undefeated thing is a big fucking thing in this game because like we saw last weekend, Justin Gaethje had to take that first L. Like we see it just about every weekend. That undefeated shit does not last long. If you're undefeated, that just means you haven't fought the right guys yet. And like I said, every all of these undefeated guys are losing. I mean, make no mistake about it. Darren Till's first loss is coming very soon. Make no mistake about it. These undefeated guys, betting on an undefeated guy at this level in the game is so sketchy, in my opinion, because it's just like, you know what's going to happen. So, you know, I would have probably passed, but uh, my pick is Ortega.
0: Man, Ortega is a very interesting individual. I hear a lot of people talking about how, oh, Ortega, he doesn't shoot takedowns, therefore he's not going to get cubed down to the ground, which I think is such a dumb argument. And Before I talk about why that's a dumb argument, even though Artem Lobov took down Cub Swanson two times off of kicks, reactionary takedowns, I want people to hear Brian Ortega's mindset about why he doesn't shoot for takedowns. And uh, I'm taking this from a Luke Thomas interview he did a year ago. Every fight starts standing up. Wrestling is like, wrestling gets pretty tiring. You know, you don't want to be the guy shooting in, shooting in, and then gassing your arms out. And what happens to a lot of people who are just purely jiu-jitsu-based is they spend all their energy trying to take someone down. And when they're unsuccessful, now their hands are heavy. And they're getting punched in the face without being able to properly defend themselves. So my whole thing is let's bang a little bit. And, and through that chaos, then maybe I can seize the opportunity to have, to grab a takedown or, or seize something, you know. And that's it, man. You know, like, if you, I just strike and they take me down, and then welcome to my world. Speaking. Yeah, I mean, that, that's all I got to say right there. He's able to create the chaos, and in those situations, he thrives, man. You know, for example, against Henato Moicano, and we were on Henato, and then he comes out there, he's boxing Henato up, he's mixing it up to the body, he's throwing uppercuts and landing, he's breaking a no- uh, nose. I was like, oh, my God, man. And, you know, I used to think this guy was kind of like the Gilbert Burns of the featherweight division. What I mean by that is unbelievable jujitsu but he's a complete punching bag on the feet and i was wrong man because uh like i said he outboxed henato uh, and people trying to act like henato is uh you know nothing special because they never heard of him well henato outstruck jeremy stevens for three straight rounds the number eight guy on planet earth man and uh is a very good volume striker he's a good point fighter and brian t city even if he didn't get that finish chances are he would have won a 29 28 in that fight because he won the first round on all three judges scorecards it would have came down to that third one man And with Cub Swanson, you know, I do think that he's going to probably get the better of the striking exchanges early on. But somewhere along the way, man, this fight's going to hit the mat one time in 25 minutes. And in that one time, that could be all she wrote because... Brian T. City on top of you, or on the bottom, Triangle City. That's why they call him T. City. The dude's absolutely disgusting with his jiu-jitsu. I will go on record and say that he has the best jiu-jitsu in the 145-pound division. Better than Jose Aldo, who beat Cabrinha in a jiu-jitsu tournament. Better than the champ, Max Holloway. I'm going to say Brian T. City Ortega has the best jiu-jitsu at 145 pounds. I mean, this is a guy that trains that rolls with Henner Gracie every single day you know what I'm saying Shaq we're not talking about you know he bought a you know Gracie uh instructional video one time at a store and you know trained a couple moves in his garage no no we're talking about a guy that rolls with Henner Gracie every single day okay like that's the kind of jujitsu we're dealing with and you know, a lot of people like to talk about how, oh, but he doesn't really take that many people down in his UFC career. Okay, well, let's talk about the, those people he's fought real quick. Tiago Tavares. Who takes down Tiago Tavares? Clay Guida. Who takes down Clay Guida? Henato Moicana, Who takes down Henato Moicana? You know what I'm saying? But what's so impressive is, you know, on record you see, oh, he TKO'd Tavares. A hundred other people TKO'd Tavares. Yeah, but watch the fight. It's what happened. One does not simply sweep Tiago Tavares off your back, full mount the guy, and then pound him out beat him beat him like that and with clay guida man and first of all i know people are under the impression that he lost the first two rounds he lost the first round he won the second round and then he finished him in the third round and uh the henata moikano fight the best performance of his ufc career he absolutely drowned one of the best prospects at 145 pounds now he's dealing with This is the biggest fight of his life. He's dealing with someone who's had way more experience than him, just like everyone else he's fought. But, you know, Cub Swanson, he's a household name, man. He's main eventing cards. He's a legend of the sport. I love Cub Swanson. Beautiful destruction. But when you watch Cub Swanson fight Dennis Seaver, when you watch Cub Swanson fight Dustin Poirier, that was his prime right there. That was a different guy than what we see today. The guy we see today is a guy that's had two uh, broken jaws, two facial reconstruction surgeries, and he doesn't take as many risks as he used to. He's uh, not as fast as he used to be. He still has, you know, little flashes of Cup Swanson. Don't get me wrong. He'll still throw that uh, that left hook, that same side head kick, and then spin with a spinning heel kick. You know what I mean? He'll still do some flashy stuff, but it's not with the same authority that he used to have. I mean, you remember when he judo throw Dennis Siever at... Uh, UFC 162 man and I was at that fight. And, you don't
1: throw my boy and,
0: and bro, you could uh you could hear the reverberation on the octagon throughout the MGM Grand when he threw uh Dennis Seaver, man. He beat the shit out of Dennis Seaver after losing the first round. And, man, I felt like the Jeremy Stephens fight was the first time where he, we felt like, okay, maybe maybe he's starting to slow down a little bit. Maybe he's not in his prime anymore. And then Frankie Edgar just absolutely destroyed him. Max Holloway put the icing on the cake. And then, uh, you know, cup Swanson's been fighting some scrubs ever since then. Besides Duho, he's been fighting dudes that ain't even in the UFC. Dudes that ain't even 500 fighters in the UFC. I'm talking about guys like Hakuran Diaz. I'm talking about guys like Artem Lobov. Yes, he did hand duho choi his first uh, ever loss and he could hand ortega's first loss but it's a different matchup duho is going to stand in that pocket for three straight rounds and bang with him and i believe ortega will as well however the difference here is if the fight hits the mat one time with duho and you ain't got shit to worry about the fight hits the mat one time with ortega it's like jumping in the middle of the ocean with a great white shark and expecting to survive you're just not going to it doesn't work like that so i think somewhere along the way Cub swanson's going to throw a right roundhouse he's going to throw one of his fucking cartwheel kicks it's going to get caught he's going to end up on his back and from right there it's going to be game set and match i don't know if it's going to be in the first round i don't know if it's going to be in the fifth round but bottom line there's going to be one time in these 25 minutes when this fight hits the mat and uh the real black belt is going to drown the you know the the dude that bought his black belt off the internet you know what i'm saying man the dude that got his black belt in his cereal box you know what i'm saying man so i got brian t city ortega by finish here now if Cub swanson comes out here and hands him his first loss. Hey, my hat's off to the vet, man. I hope uh, I hope they pay you in Bellator. I can't wait to see you fight Manny Sanchez, but I got to go with Brian T. City Ortega inside the distance. Now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Big Marley, what's going on, man?
2: Not a lot, man. I'm
0: uh, looking forward to another weekend of fights. I like this uh, string we got going on. Yes, sir. And, man, uh, I mean, you've been killing it for a while, but, uh, I mean, dude, like, now they're flying you out to the headquarters, man. What's the deal here? <laughs> no, I'm uh,
2: not the headquarters. The headquarters are in Boston, I think. I haven't been there yet, but I'm going to be at the World Championship in Miami for football. Uh, I'm going to be in the Pick'Em Championship qualifier, competing against 29 other people for a 100 k
0: top prize. So, hoping to get that. Holy shit. How life-changing would that be? That would be nice. Uh, I don't know uh, how, how it would change my life
2: at this point, but I'm sure, I'm sure it would help.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's like you have a whole other side to you. We didn't even know you were that deep into the football game. <laughs> i've been into football since i was a little kid so i mean before i even knew what mma was um but MMA's kind of just taken over recently that's what's up i'm actually going to my first falcons game tomorrow thursday uh at the new stadium man so i'm pretty pumped oh damn that's awesome i'll have to bet on since you'll be there good luck yes sir yes sir but dude let's get right down to business man because uh you know, it's interesting, there's some favorites I'm lacking, there's some dogs I'm lacking, but first and foremost, I know Eric Anders is pretty expensive here, but you saw that performance he had against Rafael Natal, and I mean, the dude's a, a D1 linebacker, and now he's in the UFC, and he can fight his ass off, he can knock dudes out. Are you looking to make him one of the big favorites you put in your lineup?
2: Uh, yeah, I can see that happening. Uh, I was pretty heavy on him in that first fight, he scored a 122.5 points, so... I like that on my team, and it's going to be hard to stay away from him in this fight. It's just, am I going to pick him over the other people up there with him? Um, But he is my pick. I'm not going to have any of his opponent. He would be the one to go with.
0: Yeah, and man, a bantamweight fight between Yuri Alcantara and Alejandro Perez, it's so interesting because Yuri's a, a finisher when he wins fights, but he also has the tendency to drop the ball. And against a guy like Alejandro Perez, who's a master at weaseling these decisions... It can, it can get pretty intriguing, man. It can get pretty interesting. So, are you thinking a total pass, or are you favoring a side? What do you think?
2: I don't think I would pass. I would rather target both sides than pass on this fight. Um, Alcantara is my pick. I think he's going to win this fight. He should win it pretty dominantly, but with him, you just never know uh, what Alcantara is going to show up. So, that's why I also like Perez in this fight, because Alcantara is 8,800 on DraftKings, and we got Perez at... Uh seventy four hundred. So that's a lot of savings and you've got to find the dogs. So I don't mind that one at all. I'm just gonna have to get a feel of how popular he's gonna be because if that's where everyone's going, then I think I would rather fade it and just go without Gentara.
0: But I do like both sides of that side. Man, another really good bantamweight fight between Luke Sanders and Andre Sukum touch. I gotta ask you, I mean, how many points did Luke Sanders score in his last fight against Yuri, even though he lost? I mean he must have scored a lot, man. He beat his ass. Yeah, man, in a second-round submission loss, he scored 52 points
2: still. Um, so I love that pace, and I love this fight for that reason. He's going to put up the pace that's going to score a lot of points. Even if he loses, that's going to push Sukumtad to fight harder and faster, and whoever wins is just gonna score really high. So, again, I like both sides of this fight, but Luke Sanders is my main pick. I, I love his pace. I think he's going to be going for the takedowns, and I think he could score well over 100, so... He might be one of my top picks on this card, but I'll have a uh,
0: Savandre as well. Sticking in the bantamweight division, Marlon Moraes has taken on Aljamain Sterling. Another great fight. I'm personally leaning towards Marlon Moraes. I think the kicks are going to be big weapons. And, you know, we've seen in these fights that Aljamain Sterling has been winning, you know, against guys like Barral, guys like Tanquino Mendez. You know, once those guys slow down in the second round, he really takes over and he's able to dominate them. But I don't think a guy like Marlon Morais is going to slow down after that first round. I think that he can keep his pace up all three. I'm going with Marlon. I'm not exactly sure how many points he's going to score, though, considering this fight will go the three-round distance, at least on paper. What are you thinking, man? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go with, well, I think my pick is Marlon as well,
2: but I just don't think he's going to score enough points. So I would rather fade this fight because if I'm picking him, in his last fight, he only scored 58 points and a win in the decision, and now he's priced at 8,600 on DraftKings. So I don't see him getting a 10x of that, getting 86 points. I just don't see it happening. So I would actually rather lean Sterling in DraftKings or fade this fight altogether because I don't see it being high scoring at all. I think this is the fight to fade.
0: So Kyle, you know on half the battle we've given out back-to-back max bet winners. Now we're looking to make it back-to-back-to-back max bet winners because we took that davi ramos minus 180 now it's minus 360 you know the deal here kyle i mean i'm guessing he's got to be uh you know one of the gems here i know he didn't score that much against sergino at 170 pounds but here at 155 against chris gritzmacher who is a walking punching bag davi's gonna be in my lineups yeah
2: i mean i i love the uh the bet you got Um, Honestly, if I got those kind of odds, I might even be able to stay away in DraftKings, but I did not get that great line that you got, so I'm going to have to get my exposure to DraftKings instead. He's my pick. I'm not going to have any Chris, um, but again, it's just am I going to go with him over Alcantara and these other guys at the top? I'm not exactly sure, but he will be in some of my lineups, um, and nice snipe on that bet.
0: And I mean you feel the same way about Trevin Giles he's also highly priced but he also destroyed his opponent in his debut. This is a different fight though. I mean Antonio Braganato he is coming off the layoff but you remember he he tapped out uh Anthony Smith in the first round. Anthony Smith now has a big fight with Tiago Maheta so it's not like Braganetto isn't used to the high level competition. It's just he's been out forever. We know there's new uh, drug testing in this sport, and Trevin Giles is a beast. So, you think, uh, you know, there's again one of those situations where it's like, do we favor Trevin Giles over those other big favorites? Uh, this is another one where I'm
2: looking to target both sides. I mean, Giles scored 133 in his last fight. So, I mean, that's just perfect. That's what you want <laughs> every single fight to happen. Um, so, you got to have a few lines with him at least. Um, but he's one of the most expensive guys on the card. So I also want to have a few lineups with Neto as well because he's one of the cheapest. And if I get him, I can afford a few of those guys that we were just talking about at the top. So that just buys so much salary where I'm going to have some lineups with both of these guys because I just think this is going to be one of the better fights to target. I think it might
0: be a submission either way early or it could just be a lot of ground transitions and up points that way. So, co-main event of the evening, we got the always exciting Jason, the Kid Knight, and he's taking on Gabriel Benitez, and, I mean, if you've seen that Gabriel Benitez left kick, you know it's a a serious weapon, but Jason Knight has a way of getting these fights to the ground, and we have seen that the takedown defense is a weakness for Gabriel. So, I think this fight could be a three-round war. I also think uh, it could, uh, you know, someone could impose their will and get a stoppage. Now, here's the question, though. I have a feeling they're going to have Knight very expensive, and I'd personally pass. What's your opinion?
2: Yeah, he is the most expensive on the card. Um, So that makes me have a little bit less interest in him. I think he's uh, a good pick to win this fight. So maybe if I really need some sort of investment in it, I would rather just bet him with the line. Um, Because I I don't know how high he's going to score. I don't know if he's going to be the highest scoring guy on this card. So I might want to go with those guys below him, like Anders or Giles, or Sanders, and then just stay away from this fight. But I don't think Benitez is going to win. He can't stop a takedown for shit. So, Knight is definitely my pick to win. It's just I don't know how many takedowns he's going to want to get. Um, I think he's going to try and have some fun on the seat and get a fire the night bonus. Um, so, I'm just more looking forward to watching this fight than I am investing in it in DraftKings. But Knight's the pick.
1: And the
0: main event, man. I mean, look, Brian T. City Ortega is taken on Killer Cup Swanson. A great main event. Man, Cub Swanson in his prime, dude. I mean, he was a very scary dude, but now, you know, it's a new era of the sport. Brian T.C. Ortega probably has the best jujitsu jitsu in the featherweight division. We know Cub Swanson has been tapped out five times in his career. I mean, are you thinking that this is going to be the classic uh, first L for Ortega? Kind of like every single featherweight prospect has taken that first L this year. You saw Jason Knight, Henato Moicano, Duho Choi late last year, Gavin Tucker. All these guys are taking that first L, you know, uh, recently. Or, uh, I mean, are you thinking uh, Brian Ortega is going to send uh, Cub Swanson off to Bellator?
2: I mean, we already know what's going to happen here. It's an Ortega third-round submission, isn't it? That's yes, what sir. happens all the time. But, uh, no, I think uh, this might be his first L I I bet Swanson earlier today at plus 100. So, my pick is Swanson, but, man, it's going to... It's going to be a tricky fight because you know he's not going to try and take it to the ground, so he's not going to get those takedown points in DraftKings, so I did want some sort of investment in this fight. That's why I bet Swanson. Um, maybe I'll stack this fight in cash and get some uh, hedge life both ways there, but it's going to be a tricky one in GPP, So i got to kind of figure out who's going to be higher owned and maybe fight, fade the public that way, but I have interest in both these guys. I just can't really make a pick quite yet in DraftKings because I don't really – have a judge on the ownership yet but i like both these guys um i have no idea what's gonna happen in the fight i think swanson's just more active uh and if he can stay away from that submission
0: i don't think he loses but can he stay away from that submission i'm not sure if you know what i'm saying exactly it's tough as far as projecting ownership not that that's my strong suit or anything like that kyle based on twitter lots of people are on cub swanson here but it's interesting because the number keeps going in brian ortega's direction
2: Right. Yeah, I was I was thinking that as well. I mean, I was shocked that Cub Swanson was the underdog. That's why I had to take the shot at it. But it also worried me. Like, how? Why is Ortega the favorite at this point? So I don't know, man. It's got me. It's got me wrapping my brain over this one. But like I said, I do want some hedge life. Maybe I'll stack this in cash and just roll with my Swanson bet and fade it in GPPs because. It's just, it's a tough one to decide on, and there's so many other people
0: towards the top that I do want to get, so it might have to be a Stars and Scrubs lineup for me. So, real quick, before I let you go, this fight between Albert Morales and Benito Lopez, they're minus 110 apiece. It's a dead pick and... I just got to know Big Marley's perspective as a gambling man, as a DK player, because look, man, Benito Lopez, in that first round, the kid's throwing flying knees, the kid's trying to take your head off, but we know Albert Morales has been in there with the Sharks since his UFC debut, and uh, man, his UFC experience could be a big factor if he gets past that first round. you have an opinion on this one?
2: Yeah, I mean, Morales has been thrown to the wolves um, since he got into the UFC, so I'm really looking forward to this fight. I think he can pull this off. And he's actually a slight underdog on draft teams. He's 8000 while Lopez is 8200 So let me just save that 200 bucks if I'm trying to go to the mid-range. I like Morales here. And I might even like him more than Swanson and Ortega. So that gives me more of a reason to fade that other fight in GPPs because I do like Morales here.
0: Big Marley, anything we're missing here on the card? That's it, bro. Good luck this weekend. I like that bet. Get that uh, money on Ramos. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Have fun uh, when they fly you out, my man. I hope you kill it. I hope you get that hundred k. Everybody, make sure you follow this man at Big Marley Three. Kyle, any message for the fans before we speak next week? Good luck, everybody. I got head to heads posted, but if you come at the king, you best not miss. And man, now uh, now they're flying Big Marley out to these places. Now he's bringing home. You know, it's funny. We're talking about this guy bringing in five k. We're talking him about him bringing in ten k. This motherfucker is bringing in twenty k. Per event this time, and now they're flying him out to the headquarters.
1: I mean, like the great Conor McGregor once said, you ain't bringing in multiple sevens like me. So, shout out to Kyle Marley, man, bringing in uh, big money, just making uh, that half the battle brand uh, what it is today.
0: You know, big money, big Marley, and uh, you know, it's interesting because he just had, him and his wife just had their first baby, you know, and I believe. I could be wrong. Their baby was actually born the day after my birthday. So, you know, got, got to represent the Libros. But bottom line, you'd think, you know, this guy having a kid and stuff, you know, maybe – you know, he's got his priorities elsewhere. Maybe, you know, he's got to take and, care of that. And now
1: he's bringing in better numbers than he did before. And I like what he said the other day. You know, somebody tweeted at him, what is your uh, secrets for DraftKings or what are your strategies or whatever? And he said hard work. And that's what me and you do. That's what the half the, half the battle team does. We put in more work. We we got we got shit, you know, that we already want to bet, like, a couple weeks from now, a month from now. You know what I'm saying? We we, we plan ahead. And that's what Kyle, that's what separates Kyle and us from the rest of
0: I'm very much looking forward to these opportunities coming up, but before we talk about that, we've got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC Fresno?
1: The fight to watch, in my opinion, is going to be uh, Gabriel Benitez and Jason Knight. Look you know I can say whatever I want about Jason Knight but I mean the guy comes to fight and like I said the guy will not quit I mean I I I like that ability that's why that's why I'm not taking that shot on Gabriel plus 255 because I'm scared of Jason Knight I mean if you got money against Jason Knight that's why I didn't bet Lamas because I'm scared of Jason Knight the guy will not quit that's the guy's tenacious and I feel like the matchup on the feet is going to be very interesting I want to see if Gabriel's going to butcher him like I think he's going to butcher him and I'm interested to see if Knight can you know take him down for three rounds so uh and Jason Knight's Always getting 50k bonuses for fight of the night or performance of the night so uh i'm interested to see that fight
0: yeah and you know obviously gabriel benitez versus jason knight's one of the fights to watch and i normally don't pick the main events for the fight to watch but come on when you got brian t city ortega taking on killer cub swanson that is obviously the fight to watch i mean we're dealing with a true vet of the game in cub swanson against you know the what degree blackwell is brian t city it has got to be second degree or third degree by now if he's first degree then oh my god that's the best first degree black belt i've ever seen inside the ufc's octagon but bottom line is man this is going to be a true fight while it lasts you know there's not going to be someone humping someone else's leg the crowd's not going to be booing the crowd's going to be on their feet when brian City, ortega and cub swanson throw down so for that reason that is the fight to watch now shack who is the fighter to watch
1: I am actually go with two fighters to watch. You know, I got my max bet on my boy, Davi Ramos. This is a perfect opportunity for him to go in there and, you know, get his first UFC win off that Sergino Marais fight, which I thought he performed very well up away class. And he's got the perfect Taylor main matchup for him. And uh, let's go, Davi Ramos. Let's uh, butcher this kid. And, you know, my other fighter to watch, it's actually another fight to watch, is Marlon Marais and Aljamain Sterling, because I believe this is like a crossroads fight in a sense, because... For Marlon Moraes, if he can beat Aljamain Sterling, I mean, now he's a top five bantamweight. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, the guy, the loser of this fight. I mean, they'll never be in those title pictures ever again, in my opinion. You know, they're going to have to take a long road back. And 135, man, it's <laughs> 135 is arguably up there with 155 and 145, man. The 135 is getting deeper and deeper by the minute. There's no more There's no more chumps at 135, I'll tell you that. I mean, you know, we still got a couple of chumps like Henry Briones and, you know, these no other No one's drivers. in the top 15 <laughs> as a chump. Let's like that. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? You know, we, but we do need to get, you know, like the Eddie Wyland's out of there. And we need to get a couple guys out of there. But 135. 35 ain't no slouch anymore, man. So the loser of this fight has got a long road back, and the winner of this fight is one or two wins away from a title shot. So this is a crossroads fight for both of those guys, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Since you went with two fighters to watch, I'm going to go with two fighters to watch as well. Firstly, Eric Anders, man. I mean, it's not often that we see someone make the transition from, you know, a D1 football player and now he's having success inside the octagon and he's doing it with authority. He's looking like an absolute killer out there. He beat a serious vet in his debut and now he's taking on this up-and-coming kid and I can't wait to see the force that uh, Eric Anders brings inside the octagon this Saturday night. And my other fighter to watch is Andre Sukumtut. Look, man, his back's up against the wall. He lost two very close split decisions. We saw flashes in there. He's taken on another tough opponent in Luke Sanders, who, you know what I'm saying, uh, Luca beat down Yuri Akantara before he got caught. Andre Sukumtut needs this win more than anybody on this entire card needs a win. So for that reason, he is the fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it, man. It's going down this Saturday, UFC Fresno. We're looking to make it three back-to-back-to-back to back to back. Max Bet winners, which we gave out for free, by the way. And uh, hopefully Davi
1: Ramos takes care of business here, man. Yeah, and, you know, I, I feel as if he will take care of business. Like we said, we're giving out the free winners. You know, I thank everyone for the support I get on Twitter, man. All the good messages... If you fuck with me, I fuck with you. You know, I love everyone that supports me. So uh, follow me, MMA Genius 05. Follow TSM underscore MMA. Follow my Instagram, TSM underscore bets. And, uh, you know, give me feedback whenever uh, you feel, feel like.
0: Yeah, no, thanks to all the fans and thanks to the haters too, man. We, as long as you care that's all i care about as long as you entertain you know cuz we got these people that they want to talk about you know a 2 unit loss on a plus 250 but they'll they'll obviously never mention the back to back 5 unit winners or the 3 unit winners they only want to talk about the little losses yeah. and that's fine i appreciate you listening to our show but the bottom line is the long term winning results will remain about to be my third winning year in a row and uh, that's the bottom line and we're going to close this year out with a bang that's all i got to say about that Oh yeah, and I got to let you guys know where to follow me. Follow me at Best Fight Picks, go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up those 5-star reviews. Follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05, and until the next time, let's cash these bets.